0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Darrell Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. In flight medical emergencies are relatively uncommon, but if you fly often enough, it wouldn't be unusual for your services as a healthcare provider to be requested on a flight. Flying at 30 to 40,000 feet with limited medical equipment and hours away from your destination can make even the most experienced clinician anxious when our assistance is requested. What are our responsibilities as healthcare providers and what are our liability risks and what assistance might we have when we volunteer to assist in an in-flight medical emergency? To answer these questions, we have two very qualified physicians, both experts in aerospace medicine. Dr. Robert Haddon is an internist at Mayo Clinic Rochester and former NASA and U.S. Air Force physician. And Dr. Mary Jane Harris is a U.S. Air Force pilot and commercial pilot and currently a fellow in the Mayo Aerospace Fellowship. Thank you both for coming today to discuss this really important and interesting topic.
1: Thank you. Glad
0: to be here. Thank you. Let's say a healthcare provider is seeing a patient and uh, they feel this plane should be landed quickly. Who makes that ultimate decision on whether the flight should be diverted?
2: Well, that's a very easy answer, which is the captain. In the end, every decision on board that aircraft is made by the captain, and the captain even has something called Captain's Emergency Authority, which allows them to do things in an emergency which would break re- regulations normally. That being said, the captain isn't going to just make these decisions unilaterally. They will be talking to airline operations. They will be talking to their dispatcher. They will be certainly talking to any volunteers, the medical volunteers that help, and talking to their their company's official medical assistance on the ground in order to make that decision to divert. That being said, the person on board who is in distress may not be the most important thing for the captain. It's actually the safety of the aircraft and every person on board. And where it might say, hey, we need to divert right now from Our perspective as doctors may actually put the aircraft and all the passengers in danger. And so you may find yourself overruled. And do not worry about that. They have taken your medical uh, assistance into account. It just may be absolutely unsafe to do so. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, let's say the captain decides to immediately land. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen immediately, though, does it?
2: No, it doesn't, and it all depends on the aircraft phase of flight. Of course, it's one thing if we are over the Atlantic or the Pacific. There may be no place to right. land. The regulations state you always have to be in within so many hours of a suitable divert airfield. However, those divert airfields may are for the safety of the aircraft the aircraft being on fire, losing an engine, or something like that. It may not be possible to divert to this for a medical emergency because there's no true medical services at that airfield. So it may be ours. That being said, even if we are over the United States and if we're at cruise phase of flight, which is anywhere between thirty to 40,000 feet, it takes at least at very least 45 minutes for an aircraft to get from cruise altitude safely on the ground and of course i say safely because they're not going to cut corners on checklists or anything like that it is the safety of the aircraft and everybody on board so yes right now is not going to happen think it'll be at best 45 minutes
0: okay Is it known how often flights are diverted because of medical emergencies versus landing at the original destination?
1: Uh, It's really not well known. If you think about the number from the ground support study, that this happens approximately 1 in 640 times, then the diversions are going to be a subset of that number. So it's going to be pretty rare.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned ground-based support. Is that available pretty much for all airlines now? Do they have some site that they go to for assistance with medical emergencies on the ground?
2: It actually depends on the company, and the comp- does the company have a contract with a, it's, it's a team of, from what I understand, uh, usually they're emergency medicine physicians who have, uh, who have expertise, in doing this, but it is, they are contracted. From what I understand, it is most, most US airlines do have that contract, and they certainly will use it if there's time. Mm-hmm. This is all in the hierarchy of the aviate, navigate, communicate, and there may not be time for them to call up that company and do that if we are now toward the landing phase of flight. Mm-hmm. But But by that time, of course, there's no worry about a decision to land. We are landing. And you may find that it very little is done on board because, again, we're in a phase of flight that the most important thing is flying. And then it will be treated as an emergency when you get on the ground.
1: Additionally, it's worth keeping in mind a couple of uh, items about the ground support personnel. They are a resource for you. They often have reference materials about different medical specialties, but also, as in my case with a foreign carrier, they have information about their medical kit that they can help you with. Additionally, and I think this is worth repeating, when you are a healthcare provider on that aircraft taking care of another passenger, you are part of a team that reports to the captain. Mm -hmm. In a sense, you are working for the captain, ultimately, and taking care of that passenger. So if the captain says, I want you to talk to our ground dispatcher, that's what you do. Also, this might be the second or third time you've responded to a medical emergency on an aircraft, but these are the people who do this all day long, and these are the people who are known quantities to the captain. So it's important to be maintain a posture of very professional cooperation and understand that while you are working for the captain on that aircraft, caring for that passenger, the moment they see that you understand that, they're going to be very supportive of your role in that. Do you care for athletes and other active patients? Engage with sports medicine experts November 8th and 9th, 2019 at the Mayo Clinic Symposium on Sports Medicine. Participate in cutting edge diagnostic and treatment strategies through live demonstrations and expert case presentations. To learn more, visit ce.mayo.edu slash sportsmedicine2019.
0: So I suspect uh, working as a team, there's no one person responsible for initiating treatment. It could be the healthcare provider on the flight, or it might be from the ground personnel. Is that correct? It can be either?
1: Well, I would say that if you say, I'm a doctor, I can help. I'm a nurse, I can help. I'm an EMT, I can help. Then you have basically stepped into the role of helping, again, within your level of competence. Okay. You, it's very important to demonstrate that you are licensed, that you are ready, that you um, are capable of handling the situation. When I get on a plane, first thing I do is I smile and make eye contact with the flight attendants as I get on, because in their mind, there's that little seed that, okay, this is somebody who I can talk to. Mm because later on, when we're in an emergency, we've already had that fraction of a second of civility. Okay, that's terribly important. I keep my medical license and my hospital ID in my pocket if I've made the decision that I'm going to stand up, okay? This is part of the pre-decision. I've also got a business card that they can give to the captain while this whole thing is unwinding, Mm -hmm. while it's uh, developing. This is also extremely helpful if the flight attendant who has multiple simultaneous duties, who has the responsibility to assure that you are in fact a truly licensed healthcare provider because unfortunately sometimes people pretend they are um, or perhaps they are compromised in some way or they've taken a medication or they're impaired. So they have to make the decision as to whether it's okay for you to proceed or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what they are required to do. So it's extremely helpful if you make it easy for them, if you've got your credentials already queued up, right out there and just say, hi, I'm a doctor, my name is, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And they can say, great, can you help us? And then you say, what do you got?
0: Okay. You've mentioned CPR a couple times. So let's say CPR is necessary. Uh, who determines how long it continues? Who calls off the CPR?
2: Well, that would probably be the person, the doctor on scene, who would be in charge of, you know, who's taking control mm-hmm. of the situation. Because if it's futile, at some point, it may be important to understand that. Uh, although you may have many volunteers to help you. The other thing is at some point, the aircraft is going to land and it would be unsafe for the healthcare providers to not be sitting in their seats strapped down. And so at some point, it may be that because we're landing, the CPRs would have to end because once as with everything, if the scene is unsafe, you can't get other people. When an aircraft is landing and you're not strapped in, that's a situation where your life might be Hmm. in
0: danger. So even if a situation, let's say it occurred just before landing and you felt the CPR was being effective, the fact that that plane is landing, that person has to be in a seat. So the
2: well that's a situational thing you might actually talk to the flight attendant and say you know this is really important but of course remember the flight attendant this is their main role which Mm -hmm. is making sure that all the passengers are strapped down strapped down uh, within their seats with their seat belts so in this case this might be something where they're supposed to be in their seats with their seat belts on as well where you might uh, talk to the captain um, and the flight attendants, possibly that could be uh, waived. But remember, it's not not really ever worth putting your own life in danger sure. either. Is okay, it?
1: And that's something that's going to be negotiated in real time as the situation unfolds. You do have an AED, which is going to give you good information as to whether there is any kind of rhythm that is recoverable. If it is necessary for safety to uh, temporarily step away from a patient if the CPR is being effective or if you believe that there is a chance for the patient uh, to pull through, you don't necessarily have to go back to your seat in the back. You might strap in right next to them for the minimal interruption of the the CPR efforts. Mm -hmm. One statistic is that in situations where the AED is broken out, 40% of those uh, passengers survive to hospital discharge. So it's actually better than on the street Mm -hmm. uh, with such an event. The other nice statistic when you are worried about what you're going to find yourself involved in when you stand up is that of cases that are called down to the ground, 0.3% wind up with in-air fatalities. So your, your odds are pretty good as a healthcare provider that even though this is going to be potentially a long and stressful experience, um, the odds are very high that everybody is going to
0: make it. Mm-hmm. So it's rare, but what happens when a passenger dies on a flight?
2: Well, I'll speak from the perspective of a pilot mm-hmm. and uh, at my company. And, of course, every company may have different rules or procedures. But at my company, pa- uh, passengers did not die on the flight. They were considered seriously ill until landing because that way you don't have the issues which are really jurisdictional in that with who pronounces, right. where did the person die etc so the idea was is we were going to consider that the passenger had not died until until landing and that actually I don't think it was in any way compromising care Mm -hmm. in fact it might say well then you would continue to provide care as long as it was safe to do so, which is the overriding thing in, in aviation is the safety, but then you also didn't have any problems with the idea of who then has to pronounce.
1: That said, if it is clear from the medical standpoint that CPR is futile or the patient has otherwise passed, you know, Perhaps there was some serious injury uh, that occurred. You use your medical judgment just as you would in any other environment to make the decision as to what treatment is appropriate. You're not obliged to continue treatment if it is demonstrably futile. And by the way, you should always have writing material to take notes, time points, just as you would uh, with a code or anything else. I always chart uh, and I'm prepared to chart when these things happen. But if it is clear that the patient has passed, even though you are not formally declaring them dead, there are things that you should do. You You respect them, you respect the sensitivities of the people around you. The flight attendants will help you secure the the passenger in a private area. You can curtain curtain off a section of the plane. You can have people move. You're going to be talking to the ground. They may have family traveling with them. You may shift into the role, and you're the one doing it, um, of working with the family, consoling the family. Before you stop doing CPR on the ground you always get buy-in from the rest of your team You want to make sure that you know is there anything else we can do make sure everybody understands that Uh, You may be talking with family on the ground when you stand up on the plane While the legal requirements are fairly narrowly defined There are a host of ethical and decency requirements that also arise so for example if somebody dies on my plane and I'm taking care of them and I'm talking with the authorities on the ground or with their family, uh, I've already made that predecision that I'm going to miss my connection. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to think about that. Okay. Whereas if they make it and they're doing okay, then you will have called ahead to the hospital or the ground dispatcher will, and have made the appropriate handoff to the appropriate uh, medical authorities on the
0: ground. Finally, one last question, and uh, do you have any recommendations, final recommendations for healthcare providers who would volunteer in a medical emergency on a flight? What would you tell them?
2: Well, I will say that the crew, both the pilots and the flight attendants will really appreciate your help. And uh, they will do everything they can to make it easy for you to give the best care to that person. Because if you don't volunteer, th- again, they they have other duties that they have to do, that this is not something that they are trained for, and they have to keep doing the things that they are trained for and required to do for the safety of that entire aircraft so that's very important but then the other thing is is really this is one situation where as a physician you don't have the final decision Mm -hmm. it is the captain and there are many things going on up on the flight deck that you might not typically think of that that come into the decision to divert an aircraft and it's an enormous decision and it can have far-reaching consequences. Of course, the most important one being it might put everybody on the aircraft into danger. So if the captain chooses not to follow uh, your recommendation to divert, understand that there are many, many more factors involved.
0: Bob, any final words? Um, Be ready.
1: Understand that it's going to be stressful and a long day, so be very gracious and serene. I would encourage people to think out loud, ask for stuff, because they will make it happen. They can change the pressure in the aircraft just like that. They can bring you things. Um, understand that you are part of a team.
0: Okay. We've been discussing in-flight medical emergencies with Dr. Robert Haddon and Dr. Mary Jane Harris, both experts in aerospace medicine. Bob and Mary Jane, thank you so much for coming here, and uh, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you very much.
2: It was my pleasure.
0: If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.